Hey, Gilbert. Hey, Frank. Uh, Bob Saget here. Just telling you congratulations on your 200th episode. Gilbert, I remember when you had your first episode and I gave you some medication and you were fine. But I just uh, love you guys, you know, in the way that a taller man can love uh, slightly shorter men. Uh, congrats. 200 episodes is not a small thing. I'll show you a small thing next time I see you. Uh, lots of love or whatever. Chevy Chase here. Congratulations. Oh, Gilbert, I love you. And Frank, on your 200th podcast. Sure glad I wasn't on any of them. Hey, Gilbert, it's Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, I do the parody songs. You've, you've had me on the show. You, you might remember. Uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to congratulate you on 200 episodes. Wow! Oh, oh man! That, that, that's, uh, that's impressive. Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Verderosa. Yay, Frank. Believe it or not, this is our 200th main episode, and they said it would never last. Actually, the person who said it was me. Uh, for the special show, we've invited three of our favorite former guests because they were the absolute best choices and also they happen to be free tonight. Our first guest is an award-winning cartoonist, illustrator, and a friend and frequent guest on the podcast. His work has appeared in National Lampoon Spy, the New Yorker, Time, and the recent humor publication, The American Bystander. His new book is Drew Freeman's Chosen People, uh, which features portraits of everyone from Sammy Petrillo to George Zucco. (laughs) And a new documentary about his life, The Vermeer of the Borscht Belt, is currently in the works. The artist formerly known as Judas Drew Friedman. Our next guest is a musician, songwriter, record producer, playwright, novelist, and screenwriter. He's a Tony winner, a drama desk award winner, the winner of the Edgar Award for mystery writing, and the recipient of of ASCAP's... <laughs> or, or ASCAP. Yeah. <laughs> when the hell can we I, interrupt this? I, this is I, just I, dreadful. We've heard it in, all before. In the middle of it. Oh, my in God. In the middle of reading that, I said, something, something's not right here. <laughs> this, this is a word. This is... It's supposed to go a little faster. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it's ASCAP. And and I think I Well, called, that made it go a little faster. And I, and okay. I think I called you Freeman. 
Freeman. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking Mickey Freeman. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> you want to tell the audience who this person is that you're talking about? Okay, which one? The one you're in the middle of introducing. The ass, oh, the ass oh, cat. Okay. <laughs> the ass something. Okay. <laughs> okay. The recipient of ass recipient ASCAP. of ASCAPs. Do you know, I think I once worked for ASCAP to make it me even worse. I, I once like, had, like a temp job? I once I did. I had a crappy job. Right. I think it was ASCAP. So, and, you, blo- so uh, you blocked it. It was a bad memory. So yeah, you blocked it. Yeah, it was horrible. Right. Now, well now does what's his name? Former guest, uh, Paul Williams. Yes. Uh, yes. He's, the He's the president. Yeah. I am pretty sure it was a New York office. He had yeah. nothing to do with it. Yeah. 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 You, can, you want to introduce can, this man? Where it says yeah. ASCAP, the Distinguished ASCAP Award, you can cancel the distinguished part now. Yeah. <laughs> George M. Cohen Award. Yeah. He's worked with everyone from Jerry Lewis to Barbara Streisand to the Jackson 5. And he's the rare individual who can tell you the difference between the great Gildersleeve, Frank Nelson, and Gail Gordon. A creative... Uh, polymath. Polymath. And the, inge- uh, the ingenious Rupert Holmes. It's easy for you to and, say. And last but never least... Okay, hold on. The last time I was here, yeah. Frank wrote a long introduction... And lost it. That's true. I left it in my office. I think I think we should do the same thing here. <laughs> Have you found it? Well, in the interest of symmetry. The last but never least, oh, for his fourth appearance, a gifted and popular actor who's appeared on hit TV shows such as Mad About You, Spin City, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Gotham, and Red Oaks, and acclaimed films like Argo, Inside Out, and a Serious Man. He's also the winner of a Drama Desk Award and an Independent Spirit Award, and he's still pissed off at Mario Cantone for <laughs> disrespecting yes. Mr. Magoo's Christmas Absolutely Carol. wrong. But he's never won anything from AFC. (laughs) (laughs) Our very own Tony Randall, the brilliantly funny Richard Kind. Yes. Now I. There's no applause. I said thank you. Yes. (laughs) All right. There you go. They can applaud. There's there's 62 people in the room. Yeah. Nobody applauds. You're free to applaud. We have have a studio audience. Those wonderful careers. Now, now I think all of us remember where we were. When we found out Marlon Brando fucked Richard Pryor. <laughs> That's uh, too soon. It's the big opener he's been sitting on. Wow. <laughs> wow. Talk about a big opener. Who made opener. the move? Who That's made the move? was sitting who, on. Who had the courage? What year was that? What year was that? I don't know that much about it, the details. According to uh, Quincy, Quincy Jones. Jones yeah. Who would know? Marlon Brando <laughs> fucked Richard Pryor in the ass. Right. Well, he said he would fuck anything at that point. 
A mailbox. <laughs> True. Well, that's, that's, that's right. That's a put and, down. And who picked? Who, of who, who picked who, was, who fucked who? Yeah, it was like who was on top and who was. Well, well I, I like to think Brando was on top. Was this top. when they were making <laughs> the image <laughs> of an 800 pound Brando? Was this when he was I'm making the, the Godfather? Climbing on board of a <laughs> terrified Richard <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to draw it. And, yeah. <laughs> and how, yes, but if it, if he was on top, you won't have to draw Richard Pryor. Ah, okay. And yeah. how would you find <laughs> Marlon Brando's hand? <laughs> this is the <laughs> what year Marlon Brando? This is warm up. This is his warm up. He was still in good shape by in 1968. Well, I like to think in, it was the Brando we all yeah. remember. The one who was in like a ton. The one from the Matthew Broderick are you, film. Are you incorporating a stick of butter into this image? That oh, you're oh, yes. excellent. Yes. So I think that lets us no know who's on top. No fingernails. No fingernails. <laughs> 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 He's obsessed with this. Yeah. Should we book Quincy Jones to settle this? Oh once my! And I want oh, Quincy God. Jones as a co-host. Okay. <laughs> Perfect timing. Or Mrs. Pryor. <laughs> Miss, didn't Mrs. Pryor say yes. that, 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 that this is all true? She said it's she true. The, yes, a, a daughter. A daughter. His, his daughter, daughter denied it. His wife said it might be true. It might yeah, be. Yeah, his daughter oh, denied it. But I mean, let's a, face it. Kind of, what what was the opening line? It, who made the who? Who hit on who? Well, his daughter says it didn't happen. Okay, so, but, so let's not ask her. But no, no. And, it's a good and, but, you know, let's face it. If you found out <laughs> Marlon Brando <laughs> fucked your father and he has, you deny it too. <laughs> There's no way around oh, it. Golly. You would have to deny it. Can you imagine the farting that was going on during this? Too? Yeah. Because Brando was a, wanted to fart. Brando was a notorious farter. And, and, and as we heard, you, you heard one of Brando's I was, farts. I was, it was not just a fart. It was a long, continuous fart. Is it oh, you who he, saw him outside the ice cream store? Yes, yes. Could you? Well, it's wow. a story. Gilbert told an abbreviated version uh, recently. But the longer version, which is not that long, but it, it was a Hagen dazs store on Sunset. Uh-huh. And this is the Sunset right around where Woody Allen was ordered ground yeast. So that's, you know, just picture that. He's in a Hagen- I walked into a Hagen dazs store, and there's this big, big fat guy up at the counter. Hey, give me a quarter of, uh, quarter of chocolate. Quarter of chocolate. Woman goes up to him and says, "Can I get your autograph?" But get the fuck away from me! Oh like wow. wow, wow! So he, they give him the ice cream in one bag, and they give him a, a ice cream cone in the other with three giant scoops. He pays and walks out. He's wearing like a you know a big jumpsuit and aviator glasses. <laughs> so he walks out with the cone in one hand, with the bag in the other, and and I had to follow him. I just turned around and followed him ten ten steps behind, walking up uh, sunset. And the cars are whizzing by, and the only sound I could hear was <laughs> continuously. And I, I followed him for about a block, and that was enough. You know. wow. That's my Brando encounter. So how long did this fart go on? I'm sure it continued on because he wasn't stopping, but, you know, he was eating and farting. It was like, you know, that's my Brando memory. Wow. Well, he uh, one, just... one last Brando story. Go ahead. I'm okay. on, on Facebook, a woman wrote... Wrote me, inboxed me, said, how come you only draw old, disgusting people? Why don't you draw the young and beautiful Marlon Brando, my favorite? I said, all right, look, let's compromise. I'll draw Marlon Brando for you, 
But I'll draw him when he was old, disgusting, and fat. How about that? <laughs> she didn't answer. <laughs> Rupert, any uh, Brando anecdotes? I got to. I actually stood next to Marlon. I, I had a. I, unfortunately, I don't have a great punchline for this. It's just a real story out of my life. But... Okay, here's your punchline. <laughs> and then he fucked Richard Pryor <laughs> in the ass. Okay. Okay, right. so yeah, throw like that, that in at the end. I like it. It takes the suspense out of it and makes it more homespun. Um, yeah, I was supposed to... I had, for about two days, I was supposed to write the song that... Um, uh, oh, Al... Who's the singer? Al Martino. Al Martino uh, sings us a wedding song. Uh, he's standing in for Frank Sinatra in, in Godfather. And I was supposed to write that song. And then someone who was related to an executive at Paramount said, no, 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 don't you remember? I'm going to write that. And so as a, my consolation prize, um, I was invited to the set of The Godfather. And uh, uh, it was filmed at... At 127th Street Filmways. Do you remember when there was, it, for a while it became Foodways? This is a Marlon Brando story, but it's, I'm realizing there's no humor involved. Doesn't the, matter. Okay. The, um, the, so I'm wandering up there to this, and they've um, replicated the entire Long Island mansion from Godfather inside this studio at like 127th and Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard. And, um, and I, I go in there, and I'm standing, and I'm watching this actor whose name is Al Pacino. Uh, and this Al Pacino has supposedly been chosen because he's the mob's choice. This is the stuff that was going around show business. That's the only reason they're using him. And then the big, you'll remember, the big um, shame of Brando being in the movie was everyone knew it should be Edward G. Robinson, that, that he should play the godfather. This, I'm not saying this is a fact. This was the scuttlebutt was how can they not give it to Edward G. Robinson? And, uh, and Robinson they, was alive, huh? Yeah, yeah he was. So Barely. I'm standing there, Barely. and there's a scene Barely. with Al Pacino, this actor named Al Pacino. That's how they were pronouncing it. This Pacino, of course, obviously. And, um, and it's the scene where the Godfather is telling uh, Richard Castellano, and I forget the other one. Uh, Abe Vigoda. Right. right Abe Vigoda, uh, yeah. who, uh, it was another one, too, uh, that, that now Michael is going to be taking over the business and all like that. I'm standing next to this janitor who's obviously sweeping up. And he's in a ratty old gray sweater, and he's and I'm thinking how lovely that this old fellow, obviously a fixture of the place, is allowed to stay so close to the shooting. And uh, and I'm standing next to him for about ten minutes while they do the scene. They have to go and tell Al Pacino, um, "You're you're overlapping too much dialogue. We won't be able to cut. You're talking over too many people. You have to space it a little bit. It tightens up when we cut it." This is how he had done Panic in Needle Park, I think, just part of that. And suddenly they say, "Mr. Brando, now." And this janitor who's been standing next to me for 10 minutes moves forward. I never would have recognized him in a million years. No one had seen him with the cotton balls in his cheeks. And, and he was looked, his hair was all unkempt and all like that. It was great. He did a good thing. Anytime he was doing a scene, a line, and he didn't like the way it was going, he would screw it up. So that the scene would get screwed up and they'd have to start again. Uh, and he mainly played with a fish tank. And and then, and then oddly enough, Richard Pryor arrived by cat. Really? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Richard Pryor, he what happened? He said, hey, sweet cakes. <laughs> um, I knew it was... I, I haven't been getting yeah. enough of that Septuagenarian yes. oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, Heard right. this story. <laughs> Gilbert, did you know Danny Thomas wanted to play the Godfather? <laughs> yes. It's true. He did. It's true. 
He did. Yeah. yeah Anthony Quinn. They, they, right. yeah, they seriously considered Anthony Quinn. And, of course, Quinn's Sinatra right. wanted to. Yeah. But but yes. Paramount wouldn't go in for an, the Windex. Wouldn't, yeah, it's, the, yeah, the cost of the Windex To clean the glass right. coffee what a horrible table. Thing. I, was at a, I was at a golf tournament this weekend <laughs> that raises a lot of money for St. Jude's. People got up with the most beautiful story about children and and the families and the and the, and the blessings that we are doing oh, no. by giving money and Danny Thomas finding it and all I could think of the entire evening when they showed oh Danny Thomas and he says if I die and this place is built I have lived for one thing my reason on earth and all I can think of. Was that? It's like it's just all girls I can think take shit on the glass. glass. Yes, now, they, a great humanitarian, and that is that's how you've poisoned my mind. <laughs> so, it took 13 minutes it to get to the Danny Thomas. Yes, it's still controversy. There's no reason to just malign Danny Thomas for those sports fans out there, of which I know there are none. Jack Brickhouse, who used to announce for the White Sox, right? He used to like to get shit on. Well, Fantastic. so why, so if if only ESPN guy, would have me on a podcast, the, I, I could talk about something. I the wish other, I followed sports. The other guy who was into it was Otto Preminger, of course. Really? Yeah, I've he heard that. He must have done everything. Yeah, it was German. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> Rupert. What pseudonym are you going to use for this episode? <laughs> I do have a Paul Schofield fart story. Uh, Ooh, okay, yes, he was good. doing the misanthrope. <laughs> I want to add a little clip. <laughs> nice to tone it up. He to tone up. Tone the story. it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's doing the misanthrope in London with Diana Rigg, and he's walking across the front of the stage, just going. <laughs> with each step, and the whole front row is going, oh, my God, uh-huh. like that. They could hear and smell it a, all. A fart for all seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Beautiful. <laughs> there are no small farts, only great actors. Yeah. <laughs> you never met Brando, Richard? I, no, 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 no. Oh, my God, no. Yeah. He was going to, uh, Brando, there was a rumor he was going to do a, a version of The Odd Couple with Wally Cox. And, oh really? And, yeah, he did all the things. Hollywood Reporter for Yeah, they were roommates for years in the fifties. Right. Yeah, and but the the, the, the odd in, couple in the fifties, and they say that Wally Cox was the masculine or right. the strong yep. one. That's right. The two. Yep. That's right. That's what in, they say. In the fifties, Wally Cox was called <laughs> <laughs> the original Richard Pryor. <laughs> Congratulations, Gilbert, on podcast number 200. This is Bill Macy from podcast number 172. We love you. Oh, hi, fellows. It's Tom Leopold. I've had the privilege of being on your podcast. And uh, apart from my children being born, it's the biggest honor and thrill of my life. I um, wanted to congratulate you on your 200th episode. And... Uh, I gotta go. That's my music. I love you. And now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, <laughs> a word from our sponsor. <laughs> and now back to the show. Now you were telling us uh, before you were at the home of and I keep forgetting his name. Emil Sitka. Ne- uh, Emil Sitka. Emil Sitka. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, in in the eighties, I visited. I had friends who knew him. So Emil Sitka, of, of course, was the 
one, uh, appeared in the Three Stooges shorts. He always played the professor and hold hands, you lovebirds. That yes. guy with you know with the white man. But he was as sweet as can be, and it was just like I never met any of the actual Stooges, but I met Emil Sitka, corresponded with Joe Besser. You know, that's as close as I came. But Emil was terrific, and he he was writing his autobiography. He was very passionate about, it. but sadly he died while he was writing it. So I never got to ill. He wanted me to illustrate it. Yeah, that's. I think that that's great. Do you have you ever like I know you you say that uh, George Carlin gave you his number or was it Richard? Pryor? Oh yes, Had yes. Call up. <laughs> Had, have you ever called anybody up and just said you, you know like Dick Van Dyke called Stan Laurel? He looked when he it got up in the town. phone. Book. Yes, you looked yeah. it up in the phone. No, book. I understand it's that. See, but, but oh, there are numbers I could probably get yeah. from somebody, but I would never. I've never had call numbers them. of people like. I, I had George Carlin's number, uh, Norman Fell's number, and Jonathan Winters. I didn't call any of them. I've had a few other numbers like that. And, because to me, it was like, uh, kind of like when you call, when you get a girl's number, and she goes, oh, hell, here's my number. Yeah, call, yeah, me, yeah. call me, call me, call right, me. And, and here's my work number. Call me, call me. Don't lose that and then you call them and, and go, yeah, you know what, please, uh, don't use this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call them up and it's like, yeah, But, but, but still you does have, that, by You the way. have the courage to go and visit somebody, right? To call them up? Well, I did not really. I mean, I wait for the right opportunity. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I got to meet a lot of people through my dad. Right, right, right. So, you know, I kind of, you know, was taken along to Elaine's. And, you know, and I went to Groucho's house, you know, for the day when I was a kid, when I was 14 with my brothers, we spent the day there. Then we were invited back the following week. Groucho's girlfriend, Erin Fleming, called my dad. Groucho would like you to come back next week. He loves kids. And they're having a reunion with Mae West, who hasn't seen in 35 years. So my dad said to my brothers and I, hey, hey guys, we're we're invited back to Groucho's house. You want to go? And we looked at each other and said, nah, we had enough Groucho. Wow. And and that's like the, (laughs) basically my only regret in life is that we didn't get to like witness that. Well, I took my daughter. I was nominated for a Tony. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I was nominated for a Tony, so I go to the awards and I take my daughter. Okay, and my daughter meets Cicely Tyson and Bernadette Peters and David Hyde Pierce. She's sitting next to Zachary Quinto, who is a great guy and a great actor, but, and you know, but not in the pantheon of those names that that uh, uh, you know he will be. But she's sitting next. To, she couldn't care less. She only wanted to meet Jane Lynch. She could, that evening went. All she wanted was the ice cream because of Glee. And, 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 Why Jane Lynch? Because of Glee, Glee yeah, yeah. yeah, and I knew I knew Jane mm-hmm. way before. You know, I knew her before at Second City and is, stuff. Is there anybody you've been dying to call, but you don't want to pick up the phone? Yes, and- but I'm embarrassed to say it, and okay. it's somebody who I shouldn't be okay. embarrassed. There's a guy who wrote a book called Full Service. You know that book? Oh, Scotty oh, Bowers. Yes. You want yes. to call? You want to call Scotty Bowers? Scotty Bowers. Uh-huh. I want to talk to him. <laughs> I really do. I want to hear these shit stories about Charles Lawton. I want to hear them in person. <laughs> Did he write the Spencer Tracy book? Is that one? Uh... Well, it, sort of. Supposedly. But the, yeah. He, the, I mean, he, the... told, he said, you know, there's no way that Catherine. By the way, my question always is, I mean, you you just say about, you know, fucking the old uh, Brando or whatever. I always say, if Catherine Hepburn, who was my favorite, and I loved what she looked like, if she were alive today at 80 would I fuck her just to say, uh. I fucked Catherine Hepburn? <laughs> okay. Has nothing to do with sex. It's, oh my God, look what I can tell my kids. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> even Marie Saint looked pretty good last night on the Oscars. You know. Yes. Think about it.
Would you, uh, Gilbert, would you go there? And and <laughs> Anthony Perkins' corpse. Uh, <laughs> I would still fuck. I... I I'm going to move this along now. <laughs> I knew him when he was still dating Grover Dale. Um, Anthony Perkins. Yeah, he yeah. was great. The, the, the choreographer Grover Dale. Cause yeah. He, he directed he my dad. He was married to a beautiful actress, wasn't he? I think I think he was. He was married to Anita somebody. Was Gillette, Anita. maybe? Or? No, no. She was a nine. Uh, Anita the Tony I, Morris. So, that's right. Someone right. told that me. Anita Morris, yeah. yeah. Someone was that like a, a kind of a, like a beard situation? Just... Hey, I'm not going to cast dispersions okay. on anybody. I always wondered about <laughs> Herbert Ross and someone Lee Raswell. Someone said to me they were at a uh, Curly Joe Dorita's house and Emil Zitko was there. Yeah, name and, makes sense. And, makes sense. And and they said that uh, Curly Joe De- Curly Joe Dorita agreed with Emil Zitka that Jules White was a schmuck. Oh. Wow. And you know, you know, me- of course, Frank went to Curly Joe Dorita's funeral. I was there. Yes. Yes. Sad though it was. There were about how many other people were there? About eight. Say? And oh, Curly my, Joe's really? gardeners were yeah. there, right? I remember Curly Joe Dorita, of course, the, the final stooge. Yeah. Yeah. Who else was there? I know Mo's Mar- son Mark was Newgarden there. Mark Newgarden dragged me there. Mo's son was there. Yeah, there were there were four gardeners Didn't in the Didn't Mark Newgarden encourage you to jump into the casket no, with Curly he, Joe? No, but <laughs> he was trying to snap pictures of the casket, right. the open casket. But there were gardeners <laughs> a, in the A little taxi. They did some of Curly Joe's They did the, on the Steve Allen show. They did the Maha, Aha. Yeah. That was Dorita. That was Right, and you watch that and you just wish it was Curly there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Instead of Joe Dorita fucking it up. This, now you met Groucho. Well, I'm, I met him in the context. Yeah, I met him, but it wasn't a Groucho that knew he was. It was in the last mm-hmm. years. Of he didn't know life. he was in the yeah. room. I was. I told you, I was at a Columbia Pictures 30th anniversary party. My, my, uh, I was um, escorting Barbara Streisand, who I was recording an album with at that time. And uh, at the table was Frank Capra, John Huston, Charles Bronson. Um, How about that, Rich? Yeah, yeah. Nice table. And uh, and uh, Groucho Marx. And I thought wow. there's a photograph of this picture, uh-huh. and the caption says, circle who does not belong in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you choose not to meet a couple of heroes? I didn't Specifically... meet, I, I chose not to meet John Lennon, and I chose not to meet Cary Grant. There's, there's no way they could have... I, I met Paul McCartney, and he was wonderful to me. I bet Lennon would have lived up to your... Uh, no, I don't think. Like no, it's not even that. I just was so afraid he'd do something that would just just say yeah something. Or, Joni Mitchell tells about meeting John Lennon. He was nasty to her. And, right, know, I've, I've, bro- I've heard that yeah, back. I have, that, a, yeah. I, we, I have a wonderful friend. We had friend someone named... on the show who said uh, some guy met John. Well, it was yes, it was, was it? Uh, it was a guitarist a, from a um, uh, yeah one of the uh, one of the guys that worked with the Turtles. It was it was well, Howard right, Taylor, right, and, that, and he that, said right. John Lennon so was unkind. Was so mean yeah. to him that he like quit. Just, he tricky. quit doing music. He could just catch somebody at the wrong moment. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. young George Carlin encountered Danny Kaye, his hero, and Danny Kaye was oh, nasty yeah. to him, oh, yeah. and it like broke his heart. Yeah, and he would talk about it for years and it's years. A wonderful writer named Rick Mitz, um, who uh, wrote oh, a hi, book honey, called. I'm home. You, you know, yeah, I know they wrote a wonderful book called The Great like the great TV sitcom book or something like that. And he finally uh, is writing, a, he worked for Norman Lear quite a bit, and he finally is writing a special for Mary Tyler Moore, who's like only half the book that he's written. He so idolizes her. And I, 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 I love Mary Tyler Moore, but he, they happened to, they were shooting, and he was the script writer, and they said, uh, Mary, we want to introduce you to maybe your biggest fan in the history of the world. 
Uh, this is Rick Mitz. And she turned and said, yeah, look, this this joke right here is absolutely no good. It's got to go. It just doesn't work for me. And, I, and that was it. In other words, mm-hmm. that was the inter- that was that was his exchange was uh-huh. saying, look, uh, nothing about. Oh, well, very nice of you. And was, I have a little problem, but more just. No, this has got to go. And it destroyed his whole feeling about the uh-huh. series. Forever, and, so. and sometimes you meet a hero of yours and it's not even them. You're awkward among them and you go oh god no, why I understand did I... that but 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 i and and you just don't have the words you and, and yes. you go back and you say and if you're lucky you get to meet them again and say this is what i wanted to say to you last yes time. but the thing is, is that nowadays it's really hard. I, I i know this because if i'm in a bad mood if somebody if i've had an argument if something's wrong i've lost a job whatever the hell it is and somebody stops and goes, you're great. You're, and you just don't have the time. Something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and, and it's not a good meeting. Facebook will have it. And I've met, uh, thank God, the, the only times I've been on Facebook where it has been something nice. I, literally, I was in Connecticut and I'm shooting a movie. And there was a woman at the Audubon, the little zoo there. And she was holding a bird and I was nice to her. And her mother Facebooked Richard Kind met my daughter and was so nice he lives up to his name. Well, thank God I was nice then. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not yes. that nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I, I wish I were. I swear to God I wish I were. I, w- I was singing at the, uh, I was performing at the, um, the not the diplomat. What's the, what, what is the beautiful hotel in San Francisco that was the actual lobby of the TV series hotel? The Fairmont. Fairmont in San Francisco, and it's the last remnant of a nightclub. And I'm singing a song, and suddenly a, a, a blonde who's six foot fifty three, you know, the tallest person I've ever seen, with five sets of teeth, walks up on stage and starts singing the duet with me. And uh, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, I have no idea who this is, and if this is a maniac. And I go along with it. We get to the end of the song, and in the last bar, I say, "Oh, that's Susan Anton." Who's oh, just come on? Sure. Now, I'm not telling you this is the moment I've been waiting for all my life to meet Susan Anton. <laughs> she happens to sing my song tonight, but her date is Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore, and we go and sit down, and I do that thing that you're talking about, Richard, which is I'm so desperate to let him know that I'm not just a fan of his, but that I know absolutely every single thing he's ever done, every movie, every short subject, what he played in Beyond the Fringe, oh, what the God. and I poured this stuff out. Uh, out of emotion, and when I was done, I thought, "What have I done?" I, I, I've just, you know, I just said, "No, no, no." You, don't. I was doing that thing with it, saying, "No, no." I know a lot of people tell you they like you, but I really know. I remember 1960, and when you did Cynthia's a Dangerous Age, uh, Thirty is a Dangerous. And luckily, the next day, uh, he called me, and uh, I said, "I'm, I take, I'm so sorry about ev- everything." I said, "We got to actually know each other," but it is that moment where if you don't handle that moment, you could. Blow it forever. Uh, absolutely. And, he, and, and you relive it. And it's just... Oh, oh God. yes. Oh, the and you know what? And I it also have. means nothing. You, When you go up to somebody and tell them, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're doing it for you. Mm. You're not necessarily doing it for the person. I, I, if, unless it's told, told right. It, I, 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 I should say what I just when said. You meet, and Richard, I love everything you do. Don't fuck I really yourself. <laughs> when you meet a, these celebrities. No, I really mean it. A lot of people don't mean that. But when I say it, I really mean it. When I say God bless you, that's... <laughs> it, it's kind of like a stripper saying to you, oh, these 
other guys who are in here. Oh, they're just such losers. But boy, you're different. You're a cool guy. <laughs> Your hundred dollar bills are so, so much, much crisper yeah, than all the other guys. You know how to slip them. To yeah. Gil, you still carry those around with you, like the Jeff Bridges uh, backstage. Oh, was, oh it the tonight, God, was it the Tonight yes. Show? Yeah, because I, I expressed some interest in booking Jeff Bridges for this show, and he said, can't do it. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> do he, it. He, does he remember? Traumatic experience. No, Gilbert can't yes. do it. You yeah. should have, sure Jeff Bridges is forgotten. You should have Jeff Bridges and Harry Shearer on one yeah. show. Right. Jeff oh, Bridges the was one of those people I met. I had a photo that I, when I was a kid, I took a photo of Lloyd Bridges in Central Park, and oh. I, I wanted to show it to him. And there was nothing wrong with Jeff Bridges that I could figure out in the story. Just me. And and I so I I just I wrote him I have like an enemy list of who I say people who are enemies of mine. And I put Jeff Bridges and Harrison Ford. Because also, I met Harrison Ford. He complimented me. He I loved you the, told this story. the aristocrats. And, but I was like a schmuck. And I, and I said like, uh, oh, uh, thank you. And I figured rather than say, hey, I'm a big fan. Thanks for saying that. I said, oh, thank you. And your name is? And, and I thought, well, that didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? That's his fault because I have a, a similar story. This was hilarious to me. And, and it went over. Yo, I'll, I'll tell you. I'm at the Washington Press Corps dinner. And I'm, and I'm standing with Marty Short, who I know pretty well from Second City and everything. I did a movie with him. And Steven Spielberg is there, who's very good friends with Marty. And we're talking. And Spielberg pulls out his phone and goes, I got to get a, a picture of this. And I go, no, 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 no pictures. I said that to Spielberg. Oh, yeah. which to me is hilarious. That's hilarious. Very and, You're correct. And Spielberg go, oh, I'm sorry, and put the phone on. I go, no, 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 oh. no, 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 no. I'm so kidding, Steve. I was, I'm kidding. But, but, but I did have one very funny thing. Because, I mean, when you're in that position and you pray to God, you have something witty, which I think the thing that Harrison Ford is, shame on Harrison Ford for not getting it. Um, Michael Mann, who used to drive race cars, was directing a show I did called Luck, and he was producing it, and he's in a golf cart with Dustin Hoffman and his wife, okay? And he's driving really fast, and he comes toward me really, really fast and then puts on the brake. And what do you think I had the wherewithal to say at that time. You said, I'm walking over here. That's right. I said, I'm walking here. I'm wa and I Perfect. said, Just God guess. bless me. Who would have thought that I'd be so good? That, you know, I mean, I, I, I'll disparage myself, but when I'm good, that was fantastic. Mm. But I can't believe. What was the it reaction? <laughs> yeah, oh, but, but the, like but the, no, 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 no! I did it for me. Like, like I said, a he doesn't give a good die, a goddamn fuck about who I, I am. I'd been working with Barbara Streisand for about a week, and she suddenly, and I'm there as both a songwriter and as the arranger of the album we're doing, and the producer. And I'm kind of full of myself at that point. I'm thinking I'm doing all right here. And she starts to praise another songwriter, 
And um, uh, she says, you know, I saw that Mac Davis, he has a summer replacement show. And he has a segment where he just makes up a song on the spot. Just someone throws a sentence at him. He must be really, really brilliant to be able to do that. I, put a, I so admire that. I said, I know what you mean, Barbara. I said, it's kind of like the thrill you get when Liza Minnelli hits a high note. And she looked at me like, why would you do that? Why would you ever? It took me about another week to just get back to see was it a joke or did you no i meant it as a joke i was doing what you you know i was doing that thing of of, oh oh oh, that's yes but i'd want to dig my head if in in the sand (laughs) if 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 she did not get that joke oh no she did it was just like i don't do those kind of jokes you understand? Oh like, my, I don't do, oh my. we don't do the self She used to read Mad Magazine when she was younger. Did I she? know that, yeah. She was a Mad fan. What happened? But Richard asked earlier if I ever called celebrities. I never did, but I waited to the, to, to the point where celebrities would occasionally call me because they knew my work or oh. I'd draw them. And the special one was Jerry Lewis, who I know Richard knows. I mean, uh, Rupert, you know him. Have you met Jerry Lewis? I did meet him, yeah. But he called me out of the blue, although I was prepared ahead of time. Jerry Lewis is going to call you because I did a tribute to him. So, you know, I was really nervous because he's a hero of mine. And I love everything about Jerry Lewis, even the, the Vegas, uh, uh, you know, schlocky the side of him, his movies, even the shitty ones. I just love it all. You have to love it all to love Jerry Lewis. So that was like, you know, I was so nervous. And Kathy knows, like, you know, I was like, you know. Just like waiting for the call, and he couldn't have been lovelier, you know. And and uh, you know, but he he had seen your picture. I had done a, I did a tribute to him about how the Academy should give him a, a special Academy Award. Oh, so written. So it was in the New York Observer. He saw it. They sent it to him. So he called out of the blue and said, "Drew, thank you for that. I loved it." But he had to test me. He said, "Drew, do you know what I invented?" You know, I and I said, "Oh shit, what did Jerry Lewis video assist?" It came to me. He said, that's it. That's all I care about being remembered for. Video assist. You know, what's the video assist is, you know, that he he worked out on the bellboy. Um, So after that, you know, we became friendly. He would call me, Drew, what are you working on? And I would like, you know, tell him like, oh, well, I'm doing a drawing of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of the friends or, you know, whatever it was. You know, it just became a regular thing where it's like, so I was like waiting for like people to call me. You know, I was waiting for that point. And that actually happened. You, you all had a good experience of, because I know Rupert did. Rupert worked with great for a while. He's always been great now, to Gil. Yeah. Now with, with me, with Jerry Lewis, and it was just, you know, not that much. But I remember I can use that classic line, which is, well, he was always nice to me. The Kathleen Freeman line. Yes, yes. I met her and, uh, yeah, I met Kathleen Freeman. And I talked to her and she said how he used to hire people, you know, a stock company, people he liked. And then I said, I heard Someone told me he was the most hated man in showbiz, and she gives this pained look on her face and just kind of a little nod. She goes, "But he likes you." A, yeah, yeah, he, that he was, was good to you, and he yeah. was good to Rupert. He yeah, was wonderful. But, but, Lewis, yeah, but you had a great working relationship yeah, with him yeah, and good stuff. I, I'll tell you a funny story that brings back somebody that we, we worked with on Mad About You, Danny Jacobson, who created the show wrote an episode where they're going to do a documentary on a very famous person. And he kept telling me, we're getting Marlon Brando. We're going to get Marlon Brando. And they had Paul Reiser call Brando. Brando goes, 
Who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, they, but they got nice. Jerry Lewis. He's on the. He's, he did the episode. Were you in the episode with Mel Brooks? Uh, no, I wasn't with Mel Brooks. I wasn't with Carol oh, I'm Burnett. Sorry. I'm sorry to bring it up. And I wasn't in the one with Jerry Lewis. And they all said uh. that the, the the thing was going to be is that Paul is doing a documentary and Jerry Lewis takes a liking to me and not to Paul. And I was not in the episode. They didn't mm-hmm. write me in. So that's. And Jerry Lewis, I mean, one of those things that was like an honor. I was at some event and Jerry Lewis was there and I was went on and just went nutty on stage. And Jerry Lewis came up to me afterwards, and and in that serious Jerry, and he said, "Gilbert, you are out of your fucking mind." <laughs> and then as a pause, and he goes, "And I wouldn't want you any other way." <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, that's." I was I was witness to you doing the aristocrats joke with Jerry like having his stroke that night or heart attack. Yes. What were do you mean? What do you mean? At the Hilton, they they had oh, a giant roast. roast. Yeah. Frank, you were there, right? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I was there and Gilbert, you know, and Jerry, you know, he like looked purple like almost, or, you know, pale purple. And and but I, you did the you launched into it and he was pounding the desk sort of like, you know, the Dean Martin roast where people were doing the fake pounding. He was doing that too, but he said he doesn't remember anything about that road. Yeah, I talked I, to him about it because I was going to go up to him. I hadn't met him yet, but I was going to approach him, and I said I can't approach him this way. He looks terrible. He's sitting there, you know, between um, De Niro and Pacino and uh, De Niro and Scorsese. But he looked so awful. I, I backed he off. He did. Someone I wanted to have a picture of him laughing while I was at the podium, and they sent me a bunch of photos. From the Friars, and I couldn't, I didn't use any, I didn't want any of them. Ava Goda looked better than him that night. Yeah. Like, yeah. My, my he, friend, he was scary. My yeah. friend Grant Heslov, uh, uh, who produced Argo, uh, was friends with Jerry Lewis's son, and he has a sleepover one night when he's a kid. And he has to get up and goes to the bathroom, and he goes out into the hall, and there's Jerry Lewis on his back with such terrible back pain. And he's writhing, and he just goes, just go, just go, just go. Like, like walk ahead, don't worry, I'm all right, just go. So that guy must have been in a lot of pain and, and a reason that those pills made him bloat and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So, so There's a case of you meeting a hero, and did you have trepidation the way you did with, with Cary Grant, or did you just, well, the, you didn't have a choice because you were working No, the, the most project. terrifying part of it with meeting Jerry, uh, I, think, I think if Jerry knows that you love him, and that was, I didn't have to fake that, because I did, um, and uh, I think you're in good shape. But I had written a novel. Trump. I had written a novel, as Gilbert is always pointing out. <laughs> <I'd> written, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. My first novel was about a comedy team. It was called Where the Truth Lies. They made a movie of it with Colin Firth and Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Who, and it's sort of, you know, one of those Romana clay where the characters parallel Martin and Lewis. And there is a payoff in within the mystery novel... Uh, that implies that maybe these characters who were patterned after Martin and Lewis, um, one night, one of them had the, made an attempted, had, had tried to be Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's part of the Now, the Jerry Lewis character is not the, is, is the one who rejects that. And it, it's what's, it was based on the idea that Martin and Lewis split up and we could never accept that when I was a kid. That was like, mm. d- destroyed our lives. We just did, because we had, we believed in their 
friendship and their love and all like that. And suddenly they weren't talking to each other and no one ever explained why. So it was patterned after that. He knew about this book and he knew that it was a, a great appreciation of him. And I was terrified for the entire time that I worked with him that he would read the book. And he asked me to send well, him a copy. He, Jerry Lewis, like, I'm going to send him a book, and he's going to, it's 380 pages. But if he pages. knew about he the book. He knew about the book, and he knew that it was very reverent to him. But I was terrified all the time that we're having this wonderful friendship and honeymoon together and creating together that one day he would actually get to the end of it and say, I don't know that I like this. Rupert, I share that terror. Because during my friendship with Jerry, I was absolutely terrified that he would know that I was the guy who illustrated the Spy Magazine article about the day the clown crossed. <laughs> Which never, I know he hated. Together, huh? He freaked, yeah. He hated that. No, he never. And I was terrified. And when he finally died, I was relieved. Like, oh, I can finally relax. He's not going to know. You know, I was terrified about that. It I really. To I, po- I told Kathy, I said, I... If somebody wants to, like, you know, do something negative about uh, to me, they they could send that to Jerry and say, "Hey, your friend Drew Friedman, he illustrated you, you know, with that horrible article about that movie," and it never came up. I I remember when at the roast, I after I got off, I thought, "Oh, you know, I used to do a bit in my act where I'd imitate Jerry Lewis singing when you walk through a storm." And I thought, oh, why didn't I do that? I should have done that. That would have been perfect. And I was kicking myself. And then I saw some clip that they have on the Internet of someone doing that. And he goes, you know, they were getting people from the audience to do shtick. And one guy said, I can do you singing. And he started to do that. And Lewis was... Yeah, that's not, not funny. Not funny. Yeah, right. He yeah. really hated the Petrillo thing, huh? He really just. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. he he, you know, he hired Sammy Petrillo. Um, I'm not going to explain who Sammy Petrillo is. No, to if, this you, if you listen to this show, he actually hired the, the 16 year old Sammy Petrillo to he, use on the Colby comedy. A clone. Yes. Of Jerry. He did Lewis. the best imitation ever. You of know, Jerry no, Lewis. I certainly know who Scary. he is. Yet I've never seen him. Well, he's in one one movie, Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. I remember which is, that. You know, a ridiculous title, but he's seventeen in that, and they teamed him up with a guy who kind of looks like Dean Martin, Duke and, Mitchell. Duke Mitchell, yeah. and and he's he like looks like Dean Martin the way I look. And Bella like Lugosi, Dean Martin. <laughs> but Bella Lugosi actually sings like Dean Martin, like I sing. Bella Lugosi like actually Martin. thought he was working with Jerry Lewis. They yeah. said he, oh, he, would, call him, he mo- would call him Jerry. Wasn't there a movie with Anne Bancroft where she's with a gorilla or something? A yes. yes, Raymond yes. Burr. I think Raymond Burr's yes. in that. Right. Raymond Burr's in that. It's, it's, it's got a French setting. Gorilla right. Large. Gorilla That's right. Large. Okay, okay, gorilla bless large. your heart, Rupert. That's right. Be, because Woo. you mentioned that when I'm going, that can't be what Anne Bancroft was in. She yeah. wears like a, a sarong, look, I think. Jessica Lange was right. her she first with the film. That's was, right. that, was that terrible, the bad the Dino Kong. De, De Laurentiis King oh, Kong? Oh, one is called Jim Kong. The other has a multi multi million dollar budget. The other is Raymond Burr with <laughs> Anne Bancroft and a gorilla. Uh, yeah, no, no, Ray, 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 no, there is no equivalent, Rupert. That <laughs> is... Have you ever seen um, uh, City Across the River and Tony Curtis is in the movie and he has no lines? And well, he's, he's just uh, yeah, a presence. He's, he's you a can presence. see him trying. If, if When you look at him, because you know it's going to be Tony Curtis growing up, to, you know, and he's in the movie and he's like trying to make it's, something out of this. Peter Fernandez is the star yeah. and you would only remember him because he was the voice of Speed Racer. You know, he went nowhere. <laughs> Young Richard Jackal was in that. Richard Not a Jackal. bad film. Richard Jackal. He's, Jackles, he's, he's right. Right. Yeah. Raymond Burr. Richard Jackal. Well, why don't you get him? Wow. Gorilla at large. Are you sure he's around? 
Yeah, he's right. I looked him up. I think is it Gorilla Enlarge was a 3D movie. Gorilla Enlarge was a 3D movie. That made it a little notch better. Raymond right, Raymond Burr Classy, yeah. was Bride of the Gorilla. Was that the one? Yeah, no, with Lon Chaney Jr. Couple, a couple no, of Gorilla Falls. Where are no, you? No, Raymond he's Burr in, was. Yeah. I'm not authoritative on that. I do know. I, as, the one I know is, uh, there's one with Merv Griffin. What is that really? one? Oh, yeah. Uh, is that Murder Mad, in the Room Org? Mad Magician, possibly? Well, Mad Magician's uh, Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. That was a 3D. That's a Corman, right. isn't it? That was a 3D. No, that was pre-Corman. Was it? Well, it might have. He might have worked. It was no, a, but I know, I know, Mad Magician. Yes, yeah, Mad Magician. Price. It was a slew of gorilla films in the early fifties for some. People clamoring <laughs> to see gorilla a, movies. There was there was one good gorilla suit in Hollywood. <laughs> like why? Just <laughs> like just like twentieth. There was one good bra yeah. for twentieth century Fox, and every woman wore it. And when they wore it, they were maybe well, Bob Dora. Burns, who's been on this show, bought a gorilla suit so yeah. he could get work. Well, he had a thriving oh, career. Right. There were a couple yes. of guys like that. Johas Pro- Prohaska. Well, who was the guy? Yeah. Who, who did? There was a, a guy who was a stuntman who, who dressed right. as a gorilla. And there's a story. Oh, it's great. He was a great gorilla. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. Do you have any questions for Groucho Marx? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Groucho, why did you pay that porn star hush money? Because Chico needed some money. (laughs) (laughs) Groucho, why did you call Africa and Haiti shithole countries? Because Chico needed a man. That's the that's the Groucho that Rupert met. That's the Groucho I met. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one sad. I met too. Sadly, I'm, I met a, a lively Aaron Fleming. Uh, Aaron? He was always lively. Aaron, you I met Aaron Fleming too. Yeah, I didn't see her beating, uh, throwing oh. Groucho down the stairs or anything. She kept oh, all that yeah. hidden, beating so, him up. Uh, what was Aaron him up, like. like when you met her? Ooh, Aaron, Aaron Fleming. Fleming. Oh, I mean, I'm talking about one evening. Oh, yeah. She seemed to try. I, I don't know why, but I feel sympathetic toward her a little yeah, bit. Sad. I feel like oh, she, ultimately, but know, she's what, a villain. She the became lovely, very the, the sad. The lovely line that he said was, who laughs at all my jokes. Well, there's always footage of him looking at her lovingly, like at the Oscars when they gave him the special Oscar. He only thanks her. He thanks Harpo, Chico, my brothers, and Aaron Fleming, you know. But he just like there's so so much footage of him just looking at her so loving. It's just I don't know amazing if he was fake. what a guy. I don't know if he was faking that. I don't think you. I think he's just, just amazing. So and I watched them together like really closely. I was like fixated on him mainly. I was watching him eat his lunch, dripping like his <laughs> cream corn down oh, his chin geez. and stuff. <laughs> But I was just like, I was at oh, one point during my our day with Groucho. To it. One point I, during my day with Groucho, I was it was 1975, so I was 16, and I was just watching him. And I, at one point, I was thinking, I'm probably the luckiest kid in in the world oh, at this it. moment. You knew it. I knew it. I appreciated the moment, and I said, I'm just going to stare at him and engage him a little bit, but just let him go about it. I just watched him. We put him to bed that night. We put him in his pajamas. Right. He watched an episode of You Bet Your Life because they it just come it came back in syndication oh. for half an hour in Hollywood and in New York. And he watched. He would rewatch them, oh. and you know it would make him happy. And then he would go to bed. And my dad gave him one of his novels, and Groucho took that to bed with him. And he was just you know it was a sweet, really sweet moment. You know, and he had this beautiful bed that was constructed from like like some of his old vaudeville sets. And, you know, so we put him to bed, you know, and then we left. And during the day, Elliot Gould was there and Sally Kellerman and Dennis Wilson. This like young, all these young Hollywood people would, would come in. Dennis Wilson? 
Yeah, the beach from the beach. Oh, from the beach. Oh, right. George. Oh, that's George Seagull. His wife, Karen Lamb. George Siegel there, too? No, he wasn't there that day. Uh, Ellie, Siegel, Ellie Gould was there. Huh? Sally George Siegel was at the thing that he I was, was at your with thing. Show. It was the same year. Same year. 75, yeah. yeah. Bud Court was not there. That It was like these regular people would come in. I think they were coming in to do other things in the bathroom, but, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't. Alice Cooper had lunch with them on right. a number of occasions. We've been trying to get Alice Cooper. Well, she, Aaron, Fleming, Aaron Fleming brought in all these, you know, Groucho liked to be surrounded by sure. these younger you know, uh, famous people and kids and stuff. So, but meeting all these legends—that's what I wanted. I don't care about meeting some of the people that are around today. Like, you know, I mean, I want to meet these legends. I really, really do. Like Gilbert. Like Gilbert. <laughs> the, le- the, le- the legends are, you know, like, and, and I waited till he was old. <laughs> <laughs> and I what remember. Do you see, cream corn. I just got a flashback when I met Jeff Bridges. I I wanted to tell him that story that I used to go to Central Park with my <laughs> sisters and yeah, there yeah, was yeah. Lloyd Bridges. And I started to say, you know, when I was a kid, my sister and I, my sisters and I would travel from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And one time we were in and and he goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, come on, move the story ahead. <laughs> and it was like, oh, no. Uh, that's that's it. That's yeah, that's yeah. So that's all thing. I could think of. And, and But you, you want to know something that this is true, too, is that you got to remember, even when you hate it, those people coming up. Like, I, I remember I went to see Godspell on a Sunday afternoon with my parents. And at the at intermission, you go up on stage, and they give you fake wine or something like that. It's whatever they're all singing, and then it's intermission. And I look out in the theater, and there was Hal Prince with his wife and his two kids. All right, I've been directed three times by Hal Prince now. I Daisy is married to one of my best friends from Spin City. Daisy's a dear friend, and all I remember is going to my mom and dad. That's Hal Prince. That's Hal Prince. And what kind of a idiot kid at age? 12 or 13 knows what Hal Prince looks like. <laughs> you do. And I did. And I, I, That's what I'm trying to And think. I couldn't believe, I, you know, oh my God, it's Hal Prince. And, and then, you know, uh, who, who would think? You, you don't think of these things. I, I love I, that you like, know who Hal Prince was at 12. I was oh, walking yeah. Kathy to work on Lafayette Street like 25 years ago, and there was a real a tall guy walking his puppy. And I realized it was Fred Gwynn, who's like, you know, I adore Fred Gwynn from Car 54, especially, and the Monsters. And Kathy said, go, go, go introduce yourself. And I just couldn't let myself do it. You know, he was walking his puppy, he was concentrating on that. I just loved him so much. It's like, you know, it's like I didn't want to bother him and even to tell him how much I loved him. But, But now, but there is the story. Are you doing that for you? Right. Or you're doing that for him. I passed. I, I just I can't do it. Yeah. I adore the man. And I just don't want to meet him this way. But this be this is a good And then time. he died he died soon after. Fred Gwynn. Yeah. yeah. This would and be a good time. Do you have any questions for, for us, Frank? I want to shame Gilbert for not calling Mel Brooks. I think this would be a good segue. <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. You're you're an and idiot for not calling Mel Brooks. <laughs> you're an utter idiot. I kind of think if you went up to Fred Gwynn and said you like the Munsters, he was he was embarrassed. He was. About the Munsters for years. I would have brought up Car 54, which yeah. you know, I Yeah, of course. Adore. So you bring up Cotton Club or, 
or he right. did, he did, uh, he did Big a Daddy on Broadway. Wonderful yeah. film called Vanishing Act with Mike Farrell and Elliot Gould and Margot Kidder that is one of the great surprise twists. Mm, I in don't it. know he, that movie. Yeah, it's very it's obscure. Cool. You can't find it on DVD. And, written and, by Levinson. And I Link. He was in a production of Pet Cemetery. He's in a production of Arsenic and Lace with Bob Crane. That's right. Oh, yes. That's right. Yes, he was. A really interesting cast. Helen Hayes. Sue Lyon. Bob Crane. Helen Hayes. Helen Hayes. Right, and Lillian Gish. And Lillian Gish, right? It's like it's it's on YouTube, but Bob, but Fred Gwynn played the, now, the, that's the, the, one, the brother. Now, See, I remember Jonathan. those old. The, that was that, and I believe Armstrong, the Armstrong tile and everything. Mm. I think they were the spot. These wow. are the thing. I remember those things. Who sponsored it? Like six, you remember this is right. now, now, before now, Bob Crane. I, you know, I, oh, right. I, you I knew remember, and now I'm getting a uh, uh, total mental block of someone we talk about. On every episode of the show, practice. He's a Romero. Perfecto Tellez? Uh No. Um, uh, uh, Cracker Jacks. Oh, Jack, Jack, Jack Gilford. Gilford. Yeah. Jack Wasn't Gilford. he Dr. Einstein? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Wow. Very good. See, the one that I remember, <laughs> this is so weird. Robert Goulet and Peter Falk did a production of Brigadoon. And it was started at 9 wow. o'clock. And my parents wouldn't let me watch it because it was a Sunday night. Wow. And I sat outside their bedroom door and sobbed like, I'll show you. And they wouldn't let me watch it because it was on too late. And I cried and I cried. That's the kind of kid I was. Oh, jeez. I, I, I had parents who understood. <laughs> they, they were wonderful. One night at 11.15 or 11.30, they woke me. Because you have to understand that in the 50s and into the 60s, until Saturday night at the movies, you didn't see recent films on TV. No, right. no. It was all British films or, you know, uh, so, and they woke me because somehow at 1130 at night, there was a Martin and Lewis movie on television mm. on The Late Show. And they actually got me out of bed and said, you can, you can stay up. It's because there was no hope of ever seeing a Martin and Lewis movie when wow. you were like 11 oh, in that year. Wow. Well, I'm watching. We're staring. And I say, I don't think it's Martin and Lewis. And it was Sammy Petrillo uh, and Duke Mitchell. Wow. And That's <laughs> but, how I felt when I first... I didn't know what I was watching. Yeah. I was about 10, maybe. He's pretty good. I wasn't prepared he for it. He came pretty close. Yeah. He but, was you know, surreal. He had that haircut. Yeah. It was like really Jim like, Carrey and Dumb and really Dumber. really channeled Jerry Lewis. But Duke Mitchell was... Uh, yeah, him you knew initials. it was He had fake. the right initials. Duke, yeah. I still, Duke, I still All I know is I want your parents. I still defend, I that, I defend yes. that film as possibly being as good or if not better than some Martin and Lewis films, which were really not very it good. It wasn't terrible. The budget really showed. Plus it had Bela Lugosi and none of the Martin and Lewis films had a villain had a really that good intense villain. Yeah. and legendary. Yeah. You yeah. remember who directed it? William Bodine. Oh, one, one shot, shot Bodine. Bodine. Yes. One shot Bodine. And, and Bodine. it's funny when you watch the Martin and Lewis films, it's like with the exception of a scene here or there, I mean, they're pretty bad. Unless, you know, the, the last ones, you know, when they got Frank Tashlin finally. Yeah. Do those like full color CinemaScope uh, films. Those were special. You know? Yeah. Even the though Martin Lewis weren't even speaking with each other when they made I thought, Hollywood I or thought Bust. you're never too young. Was that, 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 that's major in the minor, they, isn't yeah, it? They yeah, they were remaking. They do a wonder. That's they a they remake. Remake. Streets of Boulevard in old, in old New York. Right, that's right. Well, they introduced but a lot of Also, the one of the uh, Carol Lombard, uh, Frederick March movie. Yeah. Oh, Nothing Sacred. Nothing Sacred. Became what? What is it? Living It Up. Living It Up. Okay, that's not bad. Which Sherry North does the dance with Sherry North. That's not bad. Living It Up has Bobby Barber in it. 
Jerry Lewis <laughs> doing the jitterbug yeah. with Jerry Lewis. Oh, it's Nolan. hilarious. You can well, go on YouTube and watch it. Hysterical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked him it's about great. that. I, I said, great. how much of that, I knew what the answer would be. I said, how much of that was choreographed? He said, absolutely none of it. Absolutely none of it. He said, I'm just doing, I asked him one time, I said, where did you learn to do, you know, you, nice dancer. When they do their little moves, uh, maybe you don't agree, but. but uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm yeah. thinking, no, it's obvious what, where he did what, it. What's, what's he, a, he was raised yeah, in the, in Absolutely. The and so when they would go into any kind of hoofing, Martin would do a completely serviceable job if they were doing a number. But Jerry was, like, good. Jerry was, he, oh, no, 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 he, he spazzed out. He, yeah, like, that, had no control. So what's the wonderful dancing that they do with the. He said, just winging. not the Nicholas Brothers because there's three of them. Hysterical! It's fabulous. fabulous. Yeah, and amazing. Also the, and the number watch. he does uh, is this in the major and the minor remake uh, with the girls' school, and he's just—they've uh, got to imitate everything that he's doing. Yes. They're like marching in platoons or something like that. No, um, but, but 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 the two—I'm shocked that Dean Martin could dance the way he did. That's what I'm saying because I don't believe in a barbershop. You know, he was dancing. I believe you, Jerry Lewis was dancing. I, I, as I think a kid. people just pick. They just, if you're going to be in show business, you had to learn stuff. I, I, my father yes. used to always point out to me that, that there'd be, like, you'd see a, a, a Jack Benny special or any stuff, and there'd be a guest on the show, and they'd do some, they'd just know, uh, if they did something impromptu, they'd know some time steps. They knew about, they just knew it because you were supposed to know Bob Hope years, with Jimmy Cagney. Sure. Yeah. Years in the 30s, ago, everybody in show business did everything. Yeah. Right. That's right. You had yeah, to. Everyone I, was able to sing. They might not had be that great Sinatra. Of like showing like Jim, James Stewart singing right. and Robert yes, Montgomery yeah. singing yeah, and yeah. Clark Gable singing. Clark Gable and nothing. Joan Crawford. And, uh, you had to learn to ride a horse too mm. if you're going to be in the movies because and, maybe someday you would. And have it's to. like every comedian in the middle of his jokes would sing, do a little dance. Now, Clark step. Gable and Andy Devine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going back there, huh? Let's get Let's back to the meat of Hollywood. Legend. Supposedly the the original Brokeback Mountain. Yes. Um, so we've heard. So we've Devine. heard and speculated he would leave Carol Lombard for Andy Devine on those weekends. Uh, all right. If as, you can, as long as you're working blue. And Andy Devine. <laughs> what was the movie that? What was the movie with that? With Lucille? Uh, it was a musical. <laughs> Lucille. <laughs> <laughs> And say you'll hear it on the broadcast. Uh, what's, the, what's the question, Rupert? Oh, I'll keep going if you don't stop it. There's some musical with Victor Mature and Lucille Ball, and uh, Victor Mature should not be in a musical. Well, his daughter's on Facebook, by the way, Victoria Mature. She loves she this. She really? loves this show. I don't know. The yeah. daughter's wow. the she writes about this show. Keep telling me, you know, Shemp's nieces are. No, on it's Facebook. his daughter. You have, you have Gilbert, to meet them. Gilbert loves after the fox. Okay, so she chimes in on Facebook. The original Victor Mature. That was the villain. Yeah. Mm. Really? Yeah. Really? Tony on the, Powell. On the, in, the, in the actual. Tony Powell. Remember the ad because Frank Frazetta painted the ad for that after the Fox. Mm. You want to tell your. your Who assistant? is the Fox? All right. I know it was coming. I am the and Fox. <laughs> Who are you? I am me. Who is me? I am a thief. You caused your mother lots of grief. So after the fuck. Sang this with Robert Wolf. Yeah. Oh, Bert, Bert Bacharach. Bert Bacharach and Hammond yeah. House, yes. I guess. Yes, yes. They were writing all the Little Red Book from Casino Royale, I think, was uh, And the, the Look of Love. The opening. Uh, that, he wrote the, the Blob theme song. The only thing worthwhile with Casino Royale, because it's a terrible movie, a mess, but that Opening with Burt Bacharach's theme. Yeah. The terrific. light shining and Burt Bacharach 
I mean, that I think is great. The film has a couple of moments, I think. Woody Allen Woody is has the best a few thing moments. in it. Woody is, a few is excellent moments. in it. Yeah. And that, maybe that's about it. But Peter Sellers, you know, I loved it so much when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in maybe 40 years. So I guess it doesn't hold up. So what other movies when you were a kid? I'm going to do Frank's job. Go ahead, you Rich. loved when you were a kid and you saw it again. Someone and- should do Frank's job. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, we were talking earlier about the first nude women we saw on film. Like, like when, when did we first see nude women in, in entertainment? Mine was on stage. Yo, but uh, do you have a memory? I, I was forced okay. because my father's plays had nudity, so I was like... Your, your, your father deserves some credit for bringing absolutely. nudity to your, broadcast your, television. Your dad. Well, people still thank me, Steam, like, you know, Steam, thank you for when you talk to your dad, thank him for, like, introducing nudity to, Steam to network television. Here's, Valerie Perrine right. nudity. Yeah, oh, you know what? And yes, I said she, it was scuba Duba, but it's not. It was Steam Bath. Steam Bath. The, the, yeah, the, the yes. TV version in 73. Here's a memory. Produced by Norman Lloyd, who's still around. Yeah. Norman Lloyd. Is that the same Norman Lloyd? I was watching TV when I was a kid, and when I was a kid, you didn't see cleavage on TV. Forget it. They had a news story, and it was this girl riding a dolphin or a, or a killer whale at SeaWorld, one of those places, and, and the thing went crazy. It started... Something, uh, maybe a flashbulb went off, and it started leaping around, and they had to pull the girl out of the water or she'd be killed. And they, when they're lifting her out of the water, her bikini bottom was down on TV. <laughs> no. And, and her ass was showing. Change your life, Gil? Did you have a bone? My eye... <laughs> I I ran to my bed. <laughs> and, and you prayed for this young woman. Yeah, you want to know something? I was so horny from this. I I don't think I even touched it. Oh and I just, I just shot off. How far did you shoot? Yeah, yeah. The it, it was like Do you remember I, the- I don't think I was, I don't think my hand went near it. It was there actually footage of Mamie Eisenhower's nipple once. <laughs> in the 50s. I've never seen it. I think no. it's no. been like it's no. you know, somehow they, they my, my a man could dream. I've heard about it my whole life. No, R- Rupert has a story. What? You want to tell the, the Georgina Spelvin story as long as we're on the Oh, cover. no. You, you want to know something? The level of blue, yeah. the shades of blue we've reached make my little racy story so tame okay. by comparison. Well, in that case, case, you end it. With, and then you saw Marlon Brando <laughs> fucking Richard Fryer in the You want to talk about the Tom Jones Rondo Hatton thing that you wrote me about? Because Drew will be fascinated. No, by no, that. no, no, Excellent. no, no, no. It was a one liner. It was a one liner. No. You did this wonderful tribute to Rondo Hatton. Thank who, you. Which was very touching and very moving. You didn't know who Rondo Hatton yeah, was? And he his first film, uh, where he was. Prominently featured, I know because it was a Sherlock Holmes film. It was called uh, Pearl of Death. Uh, and um, we're getting quiet in here like I'm telling a great story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're still on the same well, level of effects. completely empty trivia that we've been on. Um, the uh, No, Rondo Hatton and he... what Acromeg- 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 My, my, my silence thing. was... 
who played Sherlock Holmes in Pearl of Death? Basil Rathbone, Nigel yeah. Bruce. Oh, it was. Okay. The disease it was acromegalia, the same disease Paul Benedict had on the Jeffersons. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I heard Paul Benedict was doing a play. You heard it from me. Fuck you. <laughs> and now I can no. finally do it while no. I'm driving in my car, working out, and I hear these things, and I go, I told you the fucking story. <laughs> it was me, and you're telling it wrong. <laughs> no, that, it's interesting, and then let's get Yeah, that, that he was doing a play, and, and a, a guy said, a hi, doctor. I'm a doctor. I want to talk to you afterwards. And he thought, oh, a doctor, he probably wants my autograph. And he said... I was looking at you on stage, and I think you have a disorder called acromegaly, and that's how he found out about it. I I may have written that play. I uh, I I toured. Uh, I Paul Benedict. Toured. I did the choreography. <laughs> did you tour with accomplice? I did. No, no, no. Um, uh, he did a play that I wrote based on the children's books uh, Goosebumps by R.L. Sure. Stein, and he played the lead character for like seven months touring the states, and I I, I don't I. I don't remember him ever sharing that uh, at the time. What, do you know what year this was? Oh, you knew this. It might have been he was doing uh, the Pacino thing, playing the bartender in Huey. Right, okay. I think is what it is. So Rhonda Hatton was, and by the way, there was uh, uh, Evelyn Anchors, who's oh, been in a oh, lot yeah. of your favorite oh, uh, universal films. Yes, yeah, she yeah. was one of the stock players she, what, in the old the monster movie. She was in the Wolfman. Wolfman. If she was just she, like sort of the, the, the she, she was the... Um, Man, they, Olivia de Havilland of, of Monsters. She yes. Mad Made Monster, Gilbert. That's later. I think that's 50. Oh, what was Cheney's you know, first I've horror I've never film, even heard horror. of that Oh, movie. that yeah, that Frozen one where Ghost? he lights up. Is it The Frozen uh, Ghost? Well, with, I Indestructible think with, Man? That was no, later. no, no. That was way... That, that was, was the alcohol. He gets yeah. in Indestructible Man. Right. When, yeah, yeah th but this was the that's one... That's Joe Flynn, I think, was It in. may have been Man oh, Made Monster. Yes, Joe Flynn and Robert Shane. The inspector right. from Great Superman. Yes. But when you used to come to my apartment, we would, we'd watch that one. Who oh, did? yes. You yes. used to come to my apartment on 6th Street back in the 80s, and we'd sit in yeah. silence and watch horror movies. Because I had a v VCR, and Gilbert didn't. Uh -huh. So, you know, I had a collection right. of them. Right, and he would just knock and come in. He would just, he would unannounced, he'd come in. Yeah, because <laughs> my I'd mother. His, I'd take his coat off. And my sit, mother lived about a block from yeah, you, and I'd MUA. visit her. And on the way back home, I'd stop at your house. <laughs> and I had an assignment, but I, I put it aside to, like, make Gilbert and come. And we'd watch a Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, movie. Well, we, Indestructible Man of the Manster, or The oh, Haunted God, Strangler, or the uh, the uh, the uh, the Martin Mull, uh, uh, George Maharis uh, show. I, I, <laughs> wait, wait, I think The Indestructible with, Man with, is the with, first the one with Carla uh, horror movie. You were, you were scared out of your wits. No, no, even even that, even well, back the close ups of Cheney with the baggy that eyes. That was scary. That was scary. But the yeah, wrong the real reason. Cheney. He was yeah, already a full, he was in. Uh, uh, yeah, full tilt alcohol. We when we watched that at the Pearl, Central Theater in Pearl River, uh, uh, we couldn't tell if that was supposed to be makeup. <laughs> We, he, he yes, just, we, yes. We thought, do, are they making that man look that way? And no, he was just... Didn't need the makeup at that He didn't point. need the makeup. I mean, I'm not being snide about it. He was a wonderful actor. Gilbert, Frank, Dara, and Big Frank, just for you. My brand new Helen Keller joke. Knock, knock. <laughs> Congratulations on 200 episodes. That's fantastic. <laughs>
<laughs> hi, this is Penn Jillette. There is no God. Oh, hi, this is Billy West. Hi, Gilbert, Frank, and the other Frank and Dara. Congratulations on 200 shows of the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal Podcast. I love you. I'm just showing you a little love. Oh, you want me to show it to you? This is the love of my life. Look at it. Look at it. What is it, too disgusting for you, too ugly? Look at it. A word from one of our sponsors. to get back to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. So, let's go. And now back to the show. We haven't talked enough about Joe Flynn. Go ahead. Okay, That's true. Joe Flynn, and really only Gilbert and I are appreciative of Joe Flynn. Uh, is the reason that we get residuals for TV shows. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Ah. Yep. yep he yep. fought for them. Uh, yes, he's he's the one. Uh, he was either SAG president or he's the one who nice. campaigned. He's he's the reason why. And and I heard both Boris Karloff and James Cagney were very big on the early uh, Screen Actors Guild, like Actors Rights. And that. so was Ronald Reagan. Yeah, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Who was, yeah. Yes, but, yeah, about unions are, and stuff. Are you aware, yeah. Richard? Yeah. Do you know that that um, if a writer, a screenwriter, creates a character for a TV series. Oh, yeah. Oh, he gets it. For it's the, wonderful. For, if you for, create for, a character for an episode and they say, wait, we like this character, Georgette on Mary Tyler Moore, came in like year three, two, something like that. If you are, if you wrote that episode, you get a little taste of every episode that character appears in that. forever. That's, that, oh, that's a wonderful wow. thing. Oh, no, no. The best was Matt Williams, who created Roseanne. Okay, and about the third or fourth episode, he comes in. They used to have a five o'clock show and a seven o'clock show. The five o'clock show doesn't do well. And he comes into the green room in between shows and he goes, tonight's episode was terrible. And the reason is you and points at Roseanne. Well, he was never on stage again and got money every single show because he created the show, and he was never allowed on the wow. line. Wow. So how about that? And, wow. And I'll tell you, here's one that's even worse, although it's not a nasty thing. I want to say Brett Ratner, who wrote uh, uh, The Amazing Ducks, or the, the, the um, not The, the Mighty Ducks. Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. Okay, whoever wrote that or directed it gets money <laughs> from Disney because of the hockey team in Anaheim, the Anaheim Ducks, he gets money oh. simply because he wrote the movie. Nice and how about that, huh? Gene Roddenberry, uh, he he made sure to write lyrics for the theme to uh, Star Trek. No one's ever seen or heard these lyrics. He wrote them. Whenever they played the Star Trek theme, he made residuals. That's wow. what Carol O'Connor did. 
Right. Harold well, O'Connor right. suddenly decided that right. the people right. in the family right. should right. have lyrics uh, called right. Remembering You. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm remembering well, way, you. No, no. After the well, show had been on. the closing theme. The closing yes. theme. Oh. Yeah, the opening theme was written by uh, uh, Charles Strauss and Lee Adams. That's right. And the line that no one could ever understand was... G.R.O. LaSalle ran great. Re-record. Yeah. They re-recorded it and the people still couldn't yeah. understand And you know what was funny? When they re-recorded it, it was so funny. Forced. It yeah. like slows Stop. down. We don't care that much. All right, this is this is the Wait, perfect. Do you have a bottle? Because I gotta pee. Just uh, <laughs> hang on to that, Rich, because this is this is a perfect segue because we're oh, talking about can TV we, themes. Can we that is announce that Mike Mike Weber, Mar- uh, Michael yes. Weber, yes. Michael Weber, Michael yes. H. Weber, uh, the the screenwriter, he's nominated. Disaster he, artist. He was not nominated. Disaster for that artist. He said, and he did attend the Academy Awards, and on the lapel of his tuxedo, he wore an orange peel pin. Yes, or an nice. orange wedge. An orange wedge. Yes, an As orange a, in, wedge. In tribute to this show. That's, yes, that's how far it's come. Because that's how. <laughs> that's how far. A, that's how a ridiculous urban, urban myth. Because <laughs> uh, hashtag Caesar Romero. Yes, believe- Caesar Romero used to have orange wedges. Flung nice. at his ass. You guys want to go out on some? T- uh, try to name some TV themes. From Wait, the are, are we? I, I, I okay. don't want to go out. I want to continue. I, I got to go to the bathroom. Just one thing about Joe Joe Flynn. Pause. Pause for a second. All right. Okay. Okay. Do you mind? No, and then we'll wrap it up. Jeez. Did you wash your hands? Because I see you're about to drink of the beverage. No, I'm kidding. You guys need to know. I know where, I know where I, I've been. I just peeled an orange. If anyone would like to drop your hands. You got to throw By the it. way, I was smart enough you to, start to, throwing to, them. to eat my orange over here so that the audience said that the air. Very, very respectful. It was. Very professional. It was. Oh, are we still recording? Really? You can clean up orange well, you're all on different mics, so I mean, I got to do a lot of going in, and like when you're not talking, you yeah. You, you, we haven't this, brought up. All I've seen you is on the phone. Whenever I'm will, here, you're always like on the phone or playing word games. Pictures. And- It'll only take about nine hours. To I edit promised this everybody on Facebook we'd be discussing Milton Berle at least. You know, a, a oh, that's tiny. Bit. I want to know end. about Milton Berle's son. One of you must know. Well, uh, was it that comedian? Was it? Uh, he says it's a comedian. He well, said the, he had the, a comedian. the guy who produced uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father, the guy James, Com- James uh, Comack. That James, was a strong rumor. Comack, yeah. Jones, yeah. From, James Comack. He was, Comack. by the way, brilliant on a TV series that no one remembers that I love called Hennessy, mm. starring. Uh, I can see even you don't. Remember. I know who it is. I know who it is. But the the child actor Jackie Cooper. Yes, oh. absolutely. Oh, and that's Abby, right. And Abby Dalton. It was a. It was a and I Roscoe know Abby Dalton very well. Ir- oh, Irving Brecker. Irving Brecker made that show. In Martin in Martin Bolton, in Milton Berle's autobiography, he says that he ran into some really successful director, right? And the director wanted to talk to Milton Berle about doing something with him. And he brushed him off and he said, and then afterwards he found out that this great director was his son. And he said, and that was my chance. And I thought, what the fuck do you mean? I was, you could have called him up. (laughs) He keeps that theme throughout that entire book. 
uh, his his autobiography. Like, you know, he alludes to it early and midway, and then towards the end, he finally meets him. It's like it's a producer-director. And then there was strong speculation it was James Comack, because they look alike, too. And Comack might – Burl might have been around 16 when Comack was born. So that's a, that's a little tricky. Is, is Comack still alive? He's gone. Uh, and he I always think he's great at home in the head. I remember Comac, the name Comac, and I and whenever I hear about Toback, I always think, think that's the guy. It's but the, the, the proof Joe. would be if Comac had a giant cock, then you know we would we would then we then we would, we would know. <laughs> and nobody. Um, I think James Comac in the movie of Damn Yankees is the one singing or lip syncing. He's in it. Yeah, he's in that movie. He's in Hole in the Head. He's the guy with the hula hoop. Hole in the hoop. Head, too. I think, but I think wow. he's the one who, that's the, the money notes in You Gotta Have Heart. He's Whoever uh, gets what? to sing You Gotta Have Heart. That's him. You guys want to try this? Yeah. And, but but uh, even though they look nothing <laughs> alike, going. people were suggesting, because you say big director, yes. people always go, oh, Steven Spielberg. No. <laughs> so it started a semi-rumor that Steven Spielberg is the son of Milton Berle. <laughs> I'd like to think that's true. You want to like, try some Berle theme song a, skill? No. Okay, good. He has a, um, can we, I have a, because this is the 200th. Yeah. And my guess is you listen to all of these shows, yes? You're the only one. No. Am I the only one? You are. You're the only one. Yeah. I'm, I really am. Huh? Pretty much. Okay, I listen I was, to I listen to Craig. Was, you know, I have an announcement actually. You know, uh, I, I don't want to break. I don't want to burst the bubble. And uh, right, but uh, Richard Kind is not actually here. It's actually Craig Bierko. <laughs> you know, somebody had somebody had, had to, to say it. Somebody had to say it. Craig Bierko is doing the imitation right. review. And and <laughs> Craig, would you you know you, he, who's from The Simpsons who does a great you? Dan Castellaneta. No, but the other one, <laughs> Han, uh, Hank Azaria. I've seen him do you fabulously. Yeah, the, Hank I mean, Gil, I, Gilbert, do you do Richard? Craig Bierko did an imitation of you, where he was saying like, and <laughs> I, I, I heard, and, it and well, my friend. George Clooney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Okay. Now, I've heard. He's done that many times. Somebody said, oh, I, I bet Greg is the only one. So many people do an imitation <laughs> of me, and I can't do it except for this because this is how Hank got it is they said, can you play? And I was guesting on a show called The Commission, and they go, can you play poker next Monday? And I go, I can't. I'm doing a commission. And that's the only way <laughs> I can. That's the only imitation. Who does the best one? Um Dan probably Dan. does does the best, and we did we did one. We were at Second City together, and we did one where we're, I'm coming in as a sperm donor mm. for his wife, and Isabella um, um, Hoffman is on stage. So I meet Dan, and Dan is doing me the whole scene. I go, "How are you?" And he goes, "I'm fine." How are you? And we're wearing the same shirt, and, and we're doing we we like play charades, and it's like uh, who is Hieronymus Bosch, or, or you know, or, or, and. and Mercy, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, but, oh, I don't do many well, imitations. Dang, I do dang. a per, I do a great la- old Larry Fine. Can I oh, do that yeah. briefly? Yeah, because I got a request earlier for that. Okay, all right. Mo, where's Curly Joe? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty Last good. I heard he was in the kitchen making flapjacks. <laughs> That's it. Dan, Pretty good. Dan Castellaneta was doing the voice of the genie yes. after after Robin was pissed at Disney. Because he didn't feel he felt they screwed him in the first one, and and in uh, Return of Jafar, and then in the series they had an Aladdin series, and then Castellaneta was did that, the did that work? Was it good or was it like Mel Blanc when he tried to do uh, Elmer Fudd, and you always knew it was shit that Arthur Hugh Bryant had died. That's right. You just you could tell. 
Like, like the, the guy they brought in to do the second Fred Flintstone. It just was never the same. Yeah. You know? Well, he wasn't doing like an out-and-out imitation of Robin Williams. Yeah, he was just... That, so that must have been good. But yeah, Dan just, is great. Dan, Dan's ridiculous. Yeah, though. but he's he incredible. was very as his funny. As his he was so good on Mad About You as the the dog walker. Yeah. yeah. Zaria. Yeah. yeah, funny guy. Yeah. Oh, he's wonderful. Yell, what do you think? Okay. We got a two-hour show here. Is that true? No, but... So far? Oh, I could keep going. We got more. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we haven't talked about uh, Francis Bavier's taint. Gilbert <laughs> <laughs> claims that no, Francis Bavier was, was eaten by her cats. Too. Yes, I heard that she became a recluse yes. late in life. Yeah. And they found her dead body. <laughs> and cats yeah. had eaten her. 75 cats. Yeah. No, Irving, no, Irving cats. That's the girl that's right. <laughs> no. a a from it's Attack true. of the Giant Leeches. Uh, Sandy Dennis? No. no. Um, she was a... She, was a, <laughs> she had cats, too. A va- Sandy oh, Duncan. Uh, Yvette, uh, Yvette Vickers. Vickers, yeah. Yvette Vickers. She was found with her cats as a mummy yeah, as very well. Sad. And Marie Prevost. She was... 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 Is it sad? They're dead? They're eaten by the cats. Celebrities who were dead, like... Yeah, yeah, eaten by their cat. Dying is sad, and then did, after they die, did anybody eat? Did any of Lewis Stone's cats eat him when he died? <laughs> I don't. I don't think he got to that. Point. <laughs> Tragic enough. <laughs> we were talking earlier about celebrities who died on stage. You know, oh yes, Frank Sutton. Uh, 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 Dick Sean's uh, the famous uh, one. Dick Sean yeah. and Joe Flynn. I yeah. didn't know about Joe Flynn. Yeah. I forget. I don't know shows. about and Cary Grant died show. preparing to go. On. That's right, preparing. I was going to really? mention. He only got two Judys out, and, and, and then I Ford saw <laughs> I saw Bert Lars' last performance, uh, which was at the Tap and Z Playhouse in Nyack, New York. He oh. was doing um, Never Too Late, the Paul Ford vehicle, uh. and he died the next day. That's I've never. <laughs> oh, and, and did he choke on that? a Lay's potato chip? Is that how he did again? Did he choke? on Carmen Miranda. With the Cracker Jack. Oh, that was a terrible thing. Terrible. I think Carmen Miranda died immediately yeah. after In her dressing it. room. Oh, That's did right. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went back can, to the I dressing room. I can understand that. I can and, and of course, died. park your I saw, I saw Dory Sari uh, passed away. I saw him the night before he died. He gave a, a lecture somewhere I was, and then he died the next day. But uh, I can understand somebody... Uh, putting out that much, and then uh, it's terrible to watch Jerry Lewis run up those stairs in Cinderella. Oh my God! Because yeah. he had he makes it to the it's it's this wild take where he's going, yeah. and he gets to the top of the stairs and runs off. And the next day, you read yeah. that he had had a heart attack and, yeah. and was laid up for like forever. Well, how about uh, uh, Park Your Carcass? I just said that. Yeah, yeah Albert I Brooks mean, father. And, yeah. and do you know how they found out about it? Which I've said on this show, I'm sure I have. Because they they. Woke up and were listening to the radio and found out that oh, that's how Albert and his brother found his out. Brother found out that they're dead. And Albert had helped him with his material that night, oh, and I was like, and that. it was a, a great memory. He has the last time he saw his dad, he helped him. And and Parky Carr, you've probably heard the the tape. He was great that night. He was funnier great. than George Burns and Milton Berle and yes, Desi Arnaz and Tony Martin. He was he killed. He really did well. Yeah. He and killed and himself. they said Desi Arnaz. You know when they found out he was dead, Desi Arnaz like. You know, left the stage crying. Oh. That was the final nail in the coffee of the Lucy Desi marriage because they were still married when they did that. Roast. The roast was a Lucy right. Desi roast in the late fifties, and they divorced soon after that. You know? Too traumatized by the death of Parker. Well, yeah, are, are you, you're trying to make a correlation. Is that what you're doing? I, I think so. I, I don't think, think you're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. And I adore you. And having I just met you, I adore you. Always and loved you. I think Bob, you're wrong. Bob Einstein. <laughs> 
who's the son, him and Albert Brooks, the sons of Park Your Carcass. Uh, Bob Einstein, they said, one time someone said to him, and they said, well, isn't it, is, isn't it beautiful your father died doing what he loved? And Bob Einstein said to him, he said, what does your mother do? And he goes, she's a housewife. And he goes, let's go over to her house now. And while she's doing the laundry, I'll take out a gun and blow her fucking brains out. And we can say she died doing what she loved. When I met Albert a couple of years ago, he said, because I've done books on Jewish comedians, old Jewish comedians. He said, how come he didn't include my dad? I said, he never got old. He died in his 40s. I said, I'd love to. But Albert now is in his late 60s. And, yeah, you know, if I do another book, I'll include him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, because you mentioned Desi Arnaz, did you, have I said this? Or have you ever heard the story about when Lucy walks in on him getting a blowjob? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, this is the greatest. <laughs> this is the greatest. Uh. Desi, who was a womanizer, is getting a blowjob in his dressing room or something. And Lucy walks in, and Desi looks down and goes, What are you doing? <laughs> Do we know who that woman might have been? Was it, was it Ethel? Uh, now, Mrs. Trumbull. Uh, I guess I, then I'll have to write. Did you ever hear this, when Steve Rossi tells a story getting a blowjob from Mae West? In the 50s? Jackie Martling told yeah, us. Oh, yeah, yes, that's yes. great. And then, you know, his, her teeth is still on his cock after, oh, you know, she like... <laughs> and oh, he was come holding full her wig, oh. and, and she's there with her bald head. Right. <laughs> that could have been my Catherine that's, Hepburn. Uh, again, some, something I should draw, right? <laughs> As we wind down, anybody got any plugs? <laughs> Drew, you want to plug the book? Well, my latest book is uh, Drew Friedman's Chosen People, and two of the chosen people are Gilbert, and then there's a portrait of you, Frank, so that book and i'm i I swear to god i'm gonna draw you guys now that now that we've met you have perfect faces for me (laughs) which is a compliment (laughs) richard Uh, i was on a show called spin city i I know i know uh you know what no i got nothing Frank, could you ask one question that you prepared? Yeah, one question that you prepared. I wanted uh, to unfortunately, they all start big conversations. Oh. Uh, Can we get to my plug, please? Yeah, let's get to <laughs> Get one in. I feel bad. Okay, this was Richard's idea. Uh, quickly, a movie that affected your life. Um, oh, I, but but I but but say affected not not the way you watch movies, but how you view the world. What really changed you? Because I don't know whether or not movies or art can do ahead. that. Okay. I would say six, I would say Skidoo was the, the life changer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was like that's when know, you went into the priesthood. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's like one of those films. It's like would the guy you like who asked sh- Groucho why he did <laughs> Skidoo. Why, Groucho, why did you appear in Skidoo? <laughs> because. Chico needed a man. Chico had died 10 years before. That, that, that's, not, that's not working. <laughs> Rupert, your box set. Oh, yeah. Which you were kind enough uh, to send. You've been very kind to, to talk, say very nice things about my first albums, and they've just been brought out again in a three-season set. Songs that sound like movies. Uh, songs that sound like movies. Uh, Cherry Red is the record label out of the U.K., mm-hmm. and if you go to RupertHolmes.com, there's a link there that'll take you to Cherry Red. Are these songs that you wrote? or that you? These are songs wrote? that I wrote and recorded. First and, three albums. And the, my first three albums, and the first album is the one that when Barbara Streisand heard it, she called me up on the phone. I didn't know her from anything. And she said, I, I like these songs. I want to record them. Mm. I see you do your own arrangements. Why don't you fly out? 
I'm also working on a movie called A Star Is Born. Maybe you'd like to write some of the songs for that. And this is all from like my first album. So if you love movies, yeah. well, Richard. What what songs. movie affected your life? I mean, I, no, I, this will get into a serious talk. That's but it, fine. Wa- it was the movie Mash. Mm-hmm. I learned what irony was. I learned war was bad. Uh, I learned I wanted to be a guy like these guys, and I wasn't. Believe me, it took me many years. And you got to see Sally go. Kellerman naked. And I saw Sally. <laughs> I saw <laughs> Sally that brings us back. Okay. I saw Sally Kellerman naked. It, it taught me a lot, and I just I wanted to be these guys. I wanted to be Elliot Gould. Uh, yeah, it, it had an effect. Robert, on my life. Robert Duvall was in that. He was great. Robert Robert Duvall, but I didn't want to be amazing. Robert Duvall. You, you yeah. I still don't. You killed him. Yeah. But, but, you remember but, the, he, he tells the turn yeah. soon? Yeah. But, but uh, you want to hear my, my Robert Duvall yes. story? Okay. <laughs> my dad my dad says to me one time when I'm much younger, he goes, son, did you ever, uh, did you ever see the movie uh, Tender Mercies with Robert Duvall? And I go, yeah. And he goes, why can't you act like that? Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert. Oh, I don't know. North by Northwest changed my life. It made me th- think what movies could do to you. Just the effect, I saw it at, blessedly, I saw it at Radio City Music Hall, first run, and I had just come from being at the UN, so all the scenes at the UN felt like they had been filmed for me, and I never saw, I never saw anything be so constantly entertaining and interesting and adult, all the way through, and even Marie Saint looked good then, as she yeah. does now, wow. um, and uh, um, um, A Face in the Crowd with That's Andy Griffith. One. Is an, and, and Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, Lee and, Remick. And Lee Remick, when she bends over backwards as the cheerleader. Ooh. Oh, that changed my life for that Tony, uh, Tony Franciosa, yep. first film. Yep. Uh, and, oh, oh, in, in uh, Face in the Crowd, there's one part where he finds out Tony Franciosa's fooling around right. with Lee Remick. Right. And he wants to fire him. And, and Tony Franciosa says to him... He goes, it's, you know, he tells him how, you know, they're, they're working together. There's no way he can fire him now. It's too late. And he goes, you're in bed with me, lonesome, in bed. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Yeah, but yeah, do you have yeah. a favorite film, a film that changed your life? I, I you know, I can't really but, think of one. Is it that woman There's... falling off the dolphin? The what? Yeah. Oh, yes! It was a yes. Yes. film at 11. <laughs> I had so That'll many films that I loved. Frank, what was yours? Oh, God. That's, i got to think about that. I, I Just for a bonding experience with my dad, and I never had any. Uh, the Great Race, Blake Edwards, The Great oh, Race. Oh, yeah. A movie Larry, we, yes. a Larry Storch? Yeah, that was a movie we had in common. We I shared, am Professor Fate. That's it, Jack oh. Lemmon, Chewing wow. the Scenery. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very fond of that one. I I went to see It's a Mad, 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 Mad World with my dad who had recently had some sort of operation and it was on a Sunday afternoon. Actually, it was a, a, yeah, it was a Sunday afternoon and he just kept getting up for three hours just walking up and down the aisle. He couldn't stand it. Mm. And that's what I remember. <laughs> Gilly? Yeah, never mind, never mind. Okay, we should wrap now. Or oh, it's a three-hour show. And this has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santopadre. And we've had our our return guests, Rupert Holmes, Richard Kind, and Drew Friedman. Can I say something? No. You did that without looking at a piece of paper. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you 
knew our name. This is fantastic. That's fantastic. I was amazed as I was doing. He had three hours. He had three hours to figure out who we were. How the fuck did I do that? Produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.